Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Porritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness, and my mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. And by the way, uh, we still are waiting for someone to enter the contest for three months of coaching. So see my blog for details or visit bit.ly slash free coaching contest. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press 1, that will let me know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. Tonight's guest is business coach and author, Glory Borgeson of Borgeson Consulting. Tonight, we'll learn how to catapult your business to new heights, and in fact, that's the name of her book, Catapult Your Business to New Heights, Surefire Strategies to Increase Profit, available on Amazon through our show page or at any major bookstore, and you can learn more about Glory at www.borgesonconsulting.com and follow her on Twitter at Glory Borgeson. That's B-O-R-G-E-S-O-N. Glory, are you with us? I am, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Now, Gloria, I must say I love your name, and it almost makes me want to sing it. <laughs> when I was a child, I hated it, of course, because I didn't <laughs> have a normal name. <laughs> but now it's okay. Well, I, I like it, and, 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 and I, it's my show, so that's what counts. There we go. Okay. So I'll tell you, something I really like about your book is that it really tells you a lot of how-to solid information and not just business theory and coaching questions. Because there are a lot of books out there that are like that. Right. Um, And, you know, the other thing is I wanted to write it in a way that many small business owners could pick it up, go through it, you know, even just going through the table contents and saying, all right, I want to jump in here, which you could do. You don't have Mm -hmm. to start at the beginning if you don't want to. And one thing that's frustrated me about various books over the years, I read it and I think, oh, that's a great idea. Now how do I apply it to myself? And there's no jump start to help me apply it to me and my business. So I wrote this book with an application section at the end of each chapter so that a person could say at the end of the chapter, that's great, how do I apply it to me? And they can then take that application section and start filling it in and brainstorming and pulling these ideas out and really apply it to where they are now and where they want to go. And that makes this a very, very usable book. Like I said, and really, there are so many books out there. They're terrific books. They put a lot of great ideas in your head. And then what, exactly what you said is what's missing is the how. And there's lots of how in this, yet not so much that it's going to overwhelm somebody. Right, right. Good. I'm glad you got that. I got that. And another thing I really like about it is that you really put a premium on balancing your life and dealing proactively with stress and drama and things like that. You know, um, I started the book and ended the book with that, and I realized that there's so many people out there teaching business owners how to make that great amount of money and that great profit. But there are a lot of small business owners out there who are making the money and they're very stressed out. Um, I do give the example of my father in the book, who he had his own business. I didn't think he worked much over 40 hours a week, 
for a while he was also in the Navy Reserves, but he did retire when I was 12. So he had what I thought was a balanced life, but he had his first stroke when he was 53 and died when he was 57. So my thought was, well, what's the point of making money and having the profit if you die early or you get sick early and you can't enjoy it? So I want to see a balance for folks. And um, I even tell the story about the McDonald's brothers in there, how I read some leadership book, and they were basically calling the McDonald's brothers a failure because they didn't do what Ray Kroft did. But if you read about what they did and how they transformed a couple of businesses into what they ended up selling to Ray Kroft, they had a great lifestyle. Right. They were splitting their profits, and in those days, that was a great amount of money, even in Southern California. So... If they had tried to do what Ray Kroc did, maybe it wouldn't have gone so well. Maybe it would have been so stressful that they wouldn't have enjoyed their lives. And they sold that thing, and, you know, I don't know what they did after it. Nobody writes about them after after they yeah. sold the business. But that gave them even more money. But So I don't consider them to be a failure. I think that what they did was really great for them and for their families. Well, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all a matter of perspective, you know, surely, because – I would think the average person, maybe even the above average person, who would love to have had the kind of success that the McDonald brothers had. Right. Exactly. You know, you know, somebody who is, you know, as a, a T.R. Ecker likes to talk about the financial thermostat, and perhaps somebody whose thermostat is set at billions would would feel like, oh, what am I going to do with a measly whatever, how many millions they made? But for for most of us mortal people, that's actually a tremendous career that they had. Right. And if they had a balanced life and had a family and, you know, had time to enjoy it and didn't get sick or die trying, that's pretty good. Absolutely. I would like to be a McDonald brother. There you go. <laughs> and, that's, and, and, I, and I hate to say this, but that's not a crock. It's not a crock. I'm sorry, you yeah, really. Of course. You really I'm in kinda, the Chicago area where Ray Crock is from. He's really, you had to go there. Yeah. Didn't yeah. So, uh, first of all, how did you become so knowledgeable about what makes a business work? Well, first of all, I'm older than I look, and um, I started out as an accountant, and um, I used to love to freak people out saying that. Coaches don't get so freaked out, but I also owned a retail store somewhere in there and used to. Oh, wait, wait, which part is the freaking out? You mean the accounting part? <laughs> well, people get this idea in their mind of who accountants are, but mm-hmm. it really did give me a balance for business and what we need to look for in business and dotting I's and crossing T's um, and just money management. So no matter what I did, I always ha- I would always have that in my background. So I got into some writing and I got into some um, consulting work. And then I met, in part of my consulting work, I met someone who then eventually went into coaching. And I thought, oh, what a great field. That's a great field. Um, Learned a little bit more about it from her. Ended up going to the same coaching school she went to, which is called Be Coach with Mike J, which is all business. It's not Mm -hmm. life coaching. It's all business coaching. And um, got my training there. And then from there, started to do more writing. And, of course, you know, every coach you meet, they've got some tweak in their own business from their own background. Mm -hmm. Some write, some don't write. Some speak, some hate speaking. 
most of us have a website because, um, you know, it's an online brochure. And, um, you know, you just figure out your own niche over time. Um, I found that the two groups I tend to work with the best are small business owners who want to make more money and, again, want to do it without having tons of stress in their life. Mm-hmm. And the second group that I tend to work with and enjoy is executives who are in the first two years of a new position, whether at a new company or the same company. So, you know, you have to you have to just find that niche and figure out what works best for you. And um, one of the things you and I had emailed about was developing your vision. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it doesn't change. I didn't know that when I started my coaching program that I would ever write. I figured I'd have a website. I didn't think I'd speak either, but I do some of that. Um, I certainly didn't think I'd ever have a book. I thought, oh, okay, maybe some articles. Um, so those those things just tweak over time, and um, it's a good thing, you know. We're not stuck in one place. So, so you you really didn't didn't see that uh, happening for you having a book until uh, not until rel- relatively recently. I think I actually started writing this first book um, in 2004. It just took a while to write mm-hmm. it, and it's my first, and nobody knows who I am. So I actually worked with an editor to clean it up and make it better, make it read better. Um, you know, she said, you need a story here, you need a story there, you need an example here or there. It really helps to work with someone who's professional the first time around um, just to just to make it readable because otherwise it just makes sense to me, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't imagine that at first. Um, and many people, I think, um, coaches or not, you can start in one field and then add – something to it. Um, I read a lot of um, newsy letter kind of things that come in, especially some things that I read about small business. Some are just about women in business. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about somebody starting in a per- particular niche and then moving out from there. I was reading today about a woman who started a business. It's actually a, a book publishing company for children's books. And she's doing really, really well, which is interesting because a lot of that industry is shrinking. And she wants to add on to her business in other areas. And I didn't get to read the whole article, but she's thinking outside of the box to think of other ways to expand, where maybe two years ago she was thinking book publishing, that's it, done. So um, I think it's important to just keep reading and keep talking to people. There's so much available on the Internet, maybe too much to get our ideas going and get brainstorming, to think of other ways to expand a business or to make it better um, without diluting it. How how does one really develop the vision? I think you have to just sit down and start working with um, where you are right now. Um, If you're a coach, you should already know some questions to ask yourself. Sure. Or if you don't start working with somebody, you know, the what's important, what's possible, Mm -hmm. why are you here, what are you here to accomplish, what is your business here to accomplish, and just start brainstorming some ideas in that way. Um, Talk to other people in slightly related fields just to get them to pick your brain. Some people are good at picking other people's brains, some some are not. And you know from being a coach, that's what you get good at. 
you know, picking Absolutely. up people's brains even when they don't know you're pick, that you're doing that. But um, if you can find some other people even um, in other fields like accountants who do small business accounting or mm-hmm. insurance people or people in other fields who work with a lot of small business owners to get them to sit down and just have coffee with you and pick your brain, I think it's a good way to get some thoughts really going to think about what do I really want? How do I want my lifestyle? Do I want to be working at home 24-7? Do I want to be getting out of the house sometimes? Do we want, I want to be out of the house 100% of my working hours? You know, How do I want my day to look? Um, a lot of that will depend on not only the individual, but what's going on in their family at a particular time. Some people need to get out of the house. Some people, you know, for right now, for the next few years, it would be great if they were based out of their house a lot. Sure. So it's important to know what that kind of thing looks like to your environment. I'm I'm personally a big fan of mastermind groups. Oh, okay. Have they worked for you pretty well? Sure, and I've I've uh, helped people, you know, put them together, and I've sent them to to uh, mastermind people who who um, finesse them, who put them together. Okay, good. Yeah, you have to have a good leader for those, because if you don't, then you have the same people. You know, pulling all the yeah. I had I actually had a guest uh, a few months ago, Thomas Mangum. That's he, that's he's like the mastermind uh, guru. Mm-hmm. He was he's actually been twice a guest on my show. Really interesting fellow. Yeah, if you're if they're set up right, and people follow that, I think mm-hmm. they can be really really good. I think it's certainly a great place to help, uh, you know, find your vision. Mm-hmm. If you get people asking those really good questions, exactly, you have to have the yeah. definitely have have some good people on board. Yeah. And actually, people on board is and uh, brings me to another uh, area that you talk about in your book, which I think is so important. Love it, leading great teams. Mhm, mhm. And you don't a lot of times think about if you're a solopreneur about having a team. You think mm-hmm. of leading great teams as being somebody who has a group of employees or many employees. But it is possible to be a solopreneur and have a team, and typically they're more um, advisory at that point. Um, Your business team being your staff and Mm -hmm. co-owners, your advisory team being people like your accountant, your insurance representative, your banker, if you're doing loans, um, your website designer, your PR person, Possibly an attorney once in a while. That could be expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have a friend who's an attorney who will, you know, kick around ideas with you. A technical person. I mean, we there's so much online today. You've got to have your website up. <coughs> you can't have, um, well, I did, but I, I, had, <laughs> I had little Beijing hackers hack into my website a couple of years ago. Oh, my nice. My sister and I were just floored. Yeah, he had it happen to about three of his clients. Um, I said, you know, I, I think they have a little hacker school over there. And last year we found out they do. But anyway, so you have to have a wow. good person. Like what did that. they do to you? They I mean, just jumbled the everything up. There was nothing for them to take. There was no financial information. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, no social security <clears throat> numbers or anything. I That's why I said I think they have mini hacker school to just see if they can get in and mess with code. Wow. So that they can practice and do the big stuff that they do. You know, you hear about, you know, the Department of Defense and, 
you know, different huge corporations having people hack into their, yeah. So um, there's a big company in the Chicago area, and the owner was interviewed a year ago, and he said he gets pinged by North Korea, China, and Russia every day. They're just pinging his computer. It's amazing. And, yeah. what do you, and what do you do about it? Well, we <laughs> we rebuilt my site, but we don't even know how they got in. So the point is you have to have a good technical person. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I have a webmaster. I Now, some people have their websites just based at, like, GoDaddy or something like that, but I really have a webmaster because I have to call him sometimes, you know. And he set up my site so that I can actually get in. I can change the simple stuff behind the scenes. Right. And he does the hard stuff, you know, add a video. I can do the YouTube ones, but he added the video on my homepage. I don't know how to do that. And now some friends of mine are very lucky. They have a spouse or a brother or somebody who knows how to handle, you know, a nice, clean computer. Because what do they last, three years now? Last time I bought mine, they were um, doing... uh, What's the, you can see? I can't even think of it. I'm so mad at <laughs> Microsoft are coming out with this version of operating system. Oh, there's Windows Seven. No, before that. Before that was Windows. Uh, oh, that horrible Vista. <laughs> yes, with the spinny thing. I hate Vista. I have Vista. Yeah. So you know, just to have somebody behind the scenes you can call when the printer doesn't work, or mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden you can't get online, and you're like. Oh no! Is it my internet provider? Is it my Linksys? Is it my you know? It's just good to have some because it it doesn't go down often enough. It's not like riding a bike, you know. Right. <laughs> and then I've learned enough code to be dangerous. But oh really? No, I don't know enough code. I know some of it behind the scenes. Like if okay. I'm in a blog and I click the HTML, I can kind of fish my way around to clean something up if I have to. But most people don't, and right. you don't want to. It, you could get, give you a headache looking at that stuff. So if you've got somebody who can look at that, some friends of mine, you know, they've got their teenagers taking care of stuff. They're, they're, they do their YouTube video and then hand it to their teenager to mm-hmm. it up and then put it online. Because um, there's only so much you can do on your own. So more of these things that you can farm out, the better. It's just a dance between cost and mm-hmm. time and knowing when it's time to bring somebody on it's when you have the money so yeah you do some of these things yourself um, what do you think of uh, interns you know I've done a little studying and a little bit of writing on interns lately and then the other thing besides interns that's very closely related would be a virtual assistant mm-hmm. some based here in the states others you know could be based overseas i have used the services of somebody overseas and one friend of mine almost you know yelled at me <laughs> for using okay. somebody from overseas but you know i'm like well i couldn't afford the person right you know, in the States. So, um, but it was something that an intern could do. Um, recently, I was reading about interns because I'm also coming out with a book in the fall for college students and about finding a job and that kind of thing. And it's great for them to have an internship. Well, I didn't realize so many internships are unpaid. 
I had two internships when I was a college student. They were both paid. Really? I thought most of them were unpaid. Yeah. I associate yeah. the word intern with working <laughs> slave labor for free. Yeah. Well, there was an interesting article not too long ago in you know what? I will find it and I'll email it to you because I okay. can't remember where it was right now. But it was about a fairly good startup company that brought in unpaid interns and then ended up hiring a lot of them later. And then the person who wrote the article also talked about labor laws, and it was very interesting. Like, is this really legal? Can we really bring them in? So they came up with the Department of Labor's um, list. I guess you could call it, of things that make it okay to have an unpaid intern and things that don't make it okay to have an unpaid intern. So it was very interesting. Oh, I would definitely love to see that because I've okay. actually been speaking to a client about this possibility. Yeah, I'll fish for that and send it to you, and you can even make a link. They had a great Seinfeld episode about this very topic. About I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but... The, Kramer on Seinfeld gets an intern. It was just so. Yeah, of course, he's the last person who needs an intern, but it was it was really really funny. Was it a free one too? Uh, of course. Okay. <laughs> and he had this kid just doing all kinds of things that really had nothing to do with anything. How are you getting away with it? He's my intern, Jerry. You know, it's <laughs> the accent. Thank you very much. So, you know, going back to the lead great teams, uh, uh-huh. sometimes if you can get a few of these people together to talk mm-hmm. or have a conference call, that's wonderful. I um, once was listening to a business coach who worked exclusively with Dennis, and he would get together once a quarter with the dentist, mm-hmm. he, the coach, the said dentist uh, business manager, which sometimes was their spouse, and their accountant, minimum, and then maybe one other person business-wise. And they'd talk about his business just from the business side. And the dentist found it really, really helpful to make a plan. Because, you know, he's, he's doing dentistry. He's not running his business all day. He's working on patients. So um, it was a great thing for them to get together once a quarter in person. But, you know, you have to decide for yourself what makes sense if you're not a dentist, you know, if you're a coach or if you're in some other small business or in your, you're in retail. Uh, who can you get together to talk about your business and who would do that for you? Well, that really, like, leads me to the question is how does one really find team members and especially really good ones? I think the best thing is through referrals to start talking to people you know and asking them and just, gather a list if you don't have an accountant or you're not happy with the one you have or insurance people or website designer. Um, website designer, find websites that you really like and ask them who designed it and, you know, are you happy with it? Yeah, a lot of websites actually, if you go to the bottom of them, they usually have the company or person who did it. Right, mine does. Links right to him. <laughs> but this way, you know, you can say, I like your site, and then you can write to the person who owns the business and say, and how do you like working with that person? Because I've had some people of wonderful sites say, I don't like working with my webmaster right. because he's either charging me up the wall every time I want to change two words or 
um, I have email with them and it's not working well or something like that. So you want both. You want to- yeah, so that's really an important <laughs> distinction that you just made because just because the company name is on your website because they made it for you doesn't necessarily mean you're thrilled with them. Right. And right. hopefully, in your case, you are, but I certainly have known of other people who have uh, had that situation where they had a website, and they're definitely anything but thrilled. Right, right, even though they had a really nice-looking website. Yeah, it may, may look beautiful, but you don't see, you know, how many... Like With my webs, website, now, I, I was hoping to have the situation you have where you can make the adjustments yourself, and I had... It was not done in, in the uh, in the format they promised it in initially, and and it's 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 just not something I can do. And I had it done in India. I also had mine. You know, I went I went overseas. Mm-hmm. For, and some you know, people really, have had good good success with that. Yeah, I mean, they you know they did a they did a good job, but it was I mean, going the going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to have something really simple, because they're not quite getting my my syntax. Right, right. I did use a guy who's based in the Chicago area, and he's even upgraded what we could call the editor that's behind the scenes. So people who have a WordPress blog would understand this. As you type yes. WordPress blog, it looks like WYSIWYG. I guess you call it what you see is what you get. And right. Another tab you can click where the code is. So mm-hmm. with his stuff, I can go behind the scenes. I can add an article. I can change text. Um, I can't change the things in the menu. I have to have him do that. Um, you know what I mean by the menu in the yeah, menu? Yes, sure. Yeah, he can do that. But uh, as far as adding articles, changing wording, I can do all of that. And it's kind of an, it's pretty much in a WYSIWYG kind of editor mode. And then if I'm having trouble, I can click DHTML, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of say, wait, I, I think I want to go in here, even though the text is all smushed together. Um, and he handles my email account, which works with my Outlook. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, here in Chicago, we have Comcast for our Internet. And it all works together, and whenever I have a problem, I can get a hold of him. So I, um, I've been really lucky there. Um <laughs> that's, that's, you know, actually, a lot of people are now going to things like WordPress yeah, uh, blogs as a website. Yeah, and that's I've seen some that look really nice. And I don't know what they're doing for email. I I, I don't know. I I would imagine there's you know the the, the keyword is plugin, right? Yeah. Plugin for this, and there's a plugin for that. And my I have a WordPress blog, but it's the free host, the free the free version of it. Mm-hmm. That's on the, the WordPress site, mm-hmm. and, but my next my next move I think is going to be in that direction. Okay, yeah, just to make it pull it all together. Yeah, because it's really I think it's much more it works much better for me to be able to just do is all the, have this stuff all all together and and a lot of the things that people might need a website do is not necessarily what I'm going to need. Mm-hmm. And I've seen multiple page websites that are actually a WordPress blog behind them. Sure. So, yeah, as long as they can do that, that's what you need. I saw a woman who um, who also has a, a blog talk radio show who created this terrific um, a WordPress blog that ha- has all her shows on it, and it's done in a way that it's 
it's like, wow, this is, this is, why isn't blog talk radio doing it? Cause, mm. cause it, it? This is so much easier to see and just click on, oh, that show, I'd like to see that show. Yeah, oh, this looks like a good there. show. Yeah, all the titles that lead right to the MPC. Yeah, they're like little uh, tiles. Yeah, oh, nice. Really nice. Tichelle uh, Daniels is her name. Mm. And if you want to take a look at what a show, what a, what a uh, site like that looks like, Tichelle T-A-C-H-E-L-L-E, Daniels.com. Very interesting woman. Nice. Yeah, the simpler, simpler the better. So, you know, if, it's, if you have things in your business that are easy for you to tweak and don't take a whole lot of time, then great, you can do them yourself. Mm-hmm. These time-consuming things that I even talk about in the book in an earlier chapter where I want folks to sit down and think about everything that comes into their day and it takes some time up front okay but you end up saving time in the end after you get through this exercise Mm -hmm. and you go through and analyze every type of activity and you say all right is this an activity that is what i call high yield meaning for my time i make the most amount of money here per minute per hour whatever you want to call it then Hmm. You'll have other tasks that I call low yield. They they yield you the least amount of money for your time. And after you figure that out, and you look at these low yield activities, how can you get them off your plate? How can you get somebody else to do these things? And then for the high yield, how can you over time increase the time you spend on these high yield things? Now, high yield might be sales. It might be working with current customers to get them to buy more, or it could be toward reducing expenses, because when you reduce expenses, you also wind up making more money. Mm-hmm. All right, so really taking a good hard look, spending the time to analyze all these activities and tasks in your day. Included in that is the things that get in your way that take up too much time. For so many of us, it would cl- include just mishandling email. I don't know about you, but when paper mail comes into my regular snail mailbox, Mm -hmm. I can go through that really quick. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that, things have changed, haven't they? I know what needs to go through the shredder. I know what needs to go Mm -hmm. right into the garbage can, and I know what I need to open. I don't need to open it right now, Mm -hmm. but I know what it is. I know it's a bill or whatever. And then for for email, it's like, do I need to open all these? Do Do I just delete some of these, right. not open them, how do I discipline myself so I'm not opening every single email to see what it is. Then the second thing that can get in our way, I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. a lot of people told me is time in the Internet. I intend to spend 15 minutes on researching such and such. Right. And then it takes me in this direction and that direction. Oh, this is interesting. Let me click on that. Let me click on that. Oh, let me read this. And all of a sudden, an hour has gone by. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Once an hour, I can't be a back. I started keeping a timer on my desk. So if I'm going to research something and I think I want to spend 15 minutes on this, I'll set the timer. That way I don't lose track of time. Timer rings, I'm done. Okay, now i got to go into something else where I'm really going to make some headway. And once I started being a writer, well, then I have to read, you know, and I have to write. And then time can really go where it shouldn't. Are you really, by the way, disciplined with that timer? 
Pretty much. I just mm-hmm. have to remember to set it. That's well. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right. You have to put it. You know where I can see it. Like I know you have it there. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So since I tell people this, I am a little more aware of my mm-hmm. own internet research and clicking this and clicking that and on all kinds of things that I'm interested in, even that don't bring me money because there are all other things that I do in my life that I'm interested in that have nothing, don't have a whole lot to do with my business. So. You mean there's more? There's more. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so you're talking about these areas in which you can really, you know, decide whether they're, you know, bringing you money or taking away from your, um, how you're categorizing it. But you you talk a lot in your book about delegation, mm-hmm. and uh, that I'd like to talk to you about delegation. Well, it does go back to who's on these teams mm-hmm. and who can you delegate to and um, how much can you give away? If you have some kind of business uh, where you're not in your home or sometimes you have to do a mail or whatever, can you get kids involved? You know, Is it something that you could even pay a 14-year-old to do some stuffing for you? Mm-hmm. Um or if you have a separate building, could you have a couple teenagers come over and clean it up for you? What kinds of things? Just look around and think, what could I delegate? The um, thing we were talking about a few minutes ago where I did get somebody from India to do some virtual assistant work was something I could have gotten an intern to do. Mm-hmm. It was taking an Excel spreadsheet that I had and doing some Internet research and finding people at particular places and making sure that my address is right and phone number and all that kind of thing. And I needed to show him what to do, but once he got on a roll, he was pretty good at it. I had to go and check a few times, you know, to make sure he was doing it right and um, then tweak some things. But it was something that I could get up and I could delegate it Mm -hmm. to him. Um, Now, some of these things with delegation – have to do with people who have businesses where they do have employees. Mm-hmm. So um, there have been some instances where people have delegated work that they had been doing themselves, like sales work or work with customers, and it hasn't gone well because they pick somebody who's not like them. And when we're talking about sales or we're talking about working with customers and then delegating that work and passing that customer on to somebody else where they liked working with the owner, that's where I say we need to duplicate ourselves. It's another form of delegation where we need to pick somebody who the customer is going to be comfortable with. So if they liked working with us as the owner, then we need to find somebody who's a lot like us. So do, how do you duplicate yourself? I think it has to do with really careful interviewing mm-hmm. and figuring out what it is about yourself that the customers really liked and want and figuring out how to find another person with those kind of characteristics. You have to become a good interviewer, but all bosses really need to do that. You know, for example, I, I, I work with a client who is – he takes all the calls in his business because he can't imagine that anybody else can do the job that he does of upselling and and closing the deal. Mm-hmm. 
and he's really stuck on this idea. And it's, of course, it's, it's a tremendous amount of time because in, in his particular business, the calls can come in at any time. And is his business mostly selling, or is he also? It's mostly an on, an online selling that mm-hmm. that does get a lot of calls with people having uh, questions, uh, and he turns all of the. Most of the questions turn into a sale, and most of them turn into multiple sales. It would not have happened, you know, online. And there's somebody who is, and, and it's actually more of an overall question, but for people who, people to delegate who have a fear that I'm the only one who can do this. Mm-hmm. Then how could he ever grow? Of course. Yeah. And it goes back to the McDonald's brothers thing. Is the size that he's at right now, is that just fine and he doesn't need to grow? Mm-hmm. Or is he living check to check, you know, and he's got kids to put through college or something where he needs to grow? So it comes to the point where where does he really want and what does he need? Because mm-hmm. if he doesn't need it, then, oh, well, it's working for him, McDonald's Brothers. Um, but if he really <laughs> needs for it to grow... Because he's not even close to being a McDonald's brother. He's, you know, got kids to put through college and he's got to retire someday. Then he's got to come to that point where he says, oh, okay, well, you know, unless I can clone myself and have another job and this, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do something else or just take certain calls. Not all calls. Right. That's an overall, you know, question. Is that something you've come up uh, against uh, people who really feel um, they don't want to let go of what they do? Only sometimes. Um, Not every time, though. Um, It depends on the entrepreneurial mindset, Mm -hmm. getting past a certain point. Uh, I think because I grew up around entrepreneurs and um, my grandfather, my grandfather's side and the paternal side of my family, they were a lot of entrepreneurs over there. And I think I saw that already. I saw enough of people not holding on to only I can do this. So it was practiced in front of me that, oh, yeah, you know, you can find other people to do this stuff. The other thing is people who hang on to doing the parts where they really can get somebody else to do it, you know, the accounting piece, or which can be done remotely even now with QuickBooks being mm-hmm. remote. You don't even have to have somebody come into your office a lot of times. Um, things like that that are more background where they're hanging on to that can be let go. Right. And you don't have to find somebody just like you. You can find somebody who has those skills. Uh, so I think there isn't a whole lot of fuzzy. I think people are either in one camp where they're, they are very stuck in, boy, you know, I don't know how I'm going to let anybody else do this. And then there's people way on the other side of the fence saying, I can't wait to let some of this go to somebody else so I can do these other things that, Make more money, or I want to lead. Yeah, there's, there's a, you talk a lot about a forty hours a week, and there's some people who talk about the four hour work week, and 
Yeah, I read his book. It was actually more interesting than I thought it would be. Yeah, very good book. Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay. So I, I hear he I, I hear he's not doing four hours a week though, but Well he's speaking now, that's why. Yes. Yeah. But he figured out but he's selling a product that he never even has to touch. He's not selling a service. Like right. I coaching, you can't do that. But he found a way to take a product that he never had to touch mm-hmm. and he doesn't sell it retail, he sells it to he's a wholesaler who sells it to people who then are the retailers. Right. And he found ways to um, handle the customer service. He had outsourced the customer service, obviously. And at first he had people calling him, customer service people calling him constantly with problems. He's like, oh, gosh. And he finally set a parameter with the customer service supervisor saying, if you can take care of the problem for X amount of dollars, and make it go away, make the customer happy, then don't call me. Just do that. I give you authority to do that. If it's over that amount, then call me. And he significantly reduced the number of calls coming to him. Brilliant, brilliant guy. (laughs) He was a brilliant guy. He found, you know, even before he got into business, he tells stories about things that he did, um, just figuring out, oh, I mean, what was he in, like a wrestling was it uh, it was like uh, um, like Supreme Fighting or something. Yeah, but he figured Kickbox- out... Kickboxing, I think that's what it was. Yeah, Kickboxing. but he figured out if I lose weight mm-hmm. a certain way, I can be in a different weight category, but they weigh me here on this day and time, and then they don't weigh me again or something. And then he f- yeah. figured out some other little tweak <clears throat> about how to win. And he won... But he did it in a really interesting way. He was just, like you said, brilliant about it. I actually have uh, the both the the regular book and the audio book of it, and it's him doing it. He does the <laughs> He's audio. He's so intense in his really? speaking. Yeah, it's it's actually really fascinating to listen to to him. You you would listen to it and think this can't be a real person. That's how intense he is. Huh. Right. But of course he is. So he's he's just so like. And then I did this, and then and how did I do it? Well, I'll tell you how I did it. And he's just really strong and Funny. wow, he can feel he him. Doing his own voiceovers. Yeah, he, yeah, he does his own voiceovers. He did not. Uh, he did not um, uh, form he didn't that. Delegate out. it out. <laughs> did not delegate his voice. Funny. Which is which is a good thing. Uh, yeah. For anybody listening, if you have a question. For Glory, you could still call in here at area code 646-929-2893. Uh, the only caller on the line does not yet have a question, so we'll continue chatting. I would um, like to quote to you a great line I saw in your book, which may be a quote in itself because it's quoted in the book, but it says, customers buy results. They don't buy features. They don't buy products or services. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Um, one uh, coaching client I had a while back, she, excuse me, she started a towel service in the African American community because she was having her hair done one day and she saw the owner come in schlepping towels and she thought, what? They don't have a washer and dryer and they don't have a service taking care of this. So she realized that in this larger community. These salons didn't have washers and dryers, neither did the barbershops. 
and the owners either had to take the towels home or they had to take them to the laundromat themselves. So she found another towel service in another part of the country to talk to because they wouldn't consider her a competitor. Mm-hmm. And they gave her all kinds of tips, including the kind of towels that have to be purchased because they have to be resistant to chemicals. But when I started working with her, she had a flyer and she had features listed on it of doing business with her business. And I said, you know what, that doesn't tell them what they get. So the first thing I did with her was I put on my consultant hat, took off the coaching hat, mm-hmm. consultant hat, and I helped her redo that and then gave her a bunch of other ideas, and then I started coaching her. Because <laughs> I wanted okay. to get some ben- business benefit up front and get excited about what was happening. So when I started working with her, she was almost begging salons to work with her. And they would pay her sometimes like by opening the cash drawer and taking cash. <laughs> no, 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 no. They got to write you a check. I don't like you walking around those neighborhoods with cash. And then I wanted her to take credit cards, which that was like the last thing I wanted her to do and do it online and, you know, send them an email with, they get an email with their receipt. And mm-hmm. that way I said, you know, then you got an automatic thing every month and then give them a discount for going on credit card. But by the time I finished working with her, she had salons like running after her, tall lady, tall lady, come help me. So Wow. But she needed to show them how much they were spending, what their time was worth, schlepping these towels themselves versus going with her service. And she could actually show them that she could save them money because she said, how much is your time worth? $100 an hour? 60 an hour? What's it worth? And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, 70 an hour, 80 an hour. Okay, well, let's do the math. And we got to the point where we could show them that, they could really save money and time by going with her service. So, you know, you, you got to show them the benefits of doing business with you. That's a great story. Yeah, it was fun. So I'd like to get to more more into the balanced life thing. I think it would be a really good way to close out our hour. Sure. You know what? I keep a picture now of myself with my father back when he was the age I am now, just to remind myself of why I even changed my lifestyle. Back in my late 30s, I would say, I actually changed my diet, which a lot of people were like, oh, I thought we were going to talk about business. Well, for me, um, changing my diet and making sure that I get regular exercise was really important. And when I get off the diet somehow and I, I don't have the energy that I normally do, oh, wow, this is what I would feel like all the time. Well, that's not good. <laughs> no. And even though I have my father's skin, I don't really look like him anymore, not at that mm-hmm. age anymore. Um, but it's really important to find ways to de-stress, um, to fit in exercise. If people are really busy, I suggest that if they join a health club, that they join one that has really early to late hours, you know, they're open extended hours, and they have equipment, facilities that you enjoy. If you like swimming, pick a place that has a pool. But to not join any fitness classes because then you're stuck to a schedule. Mm-hmm. Have a place where you can go when you can and fit it in. And if it means that you work with a trainer once in a while to just get a program together, do it. It's 
really helpful um, to have a routine that you can do, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is one thing, maybe Tuesday, Thursday, something else. And it really pays off. It really does. And I can tell the difference between, you know, like I said, uh, poor dad, uh, yeah, he looked looked really old. Mm. So, and like I said, he got ill early. So nutrition and exercises, finding other ways to de-stress. I don't like a lot of drama in my life. Um, Sometimes dramatic people like to show up. I don't know. It it might be a woman-to-woman thing. You know, women like to be really dramatic sometimes. And... Well, oh, no, there there are plenty of uh, 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 plenty of drama in the in the other sex. Okay, um, yeah. but just you know, in my past in corporate life, or even mm-hmm. in consultant in corporate world, dramatic people just don't do it for me, right. and I often have to get away from them. It's just you know what, life's too short. So everybody has to figure out. Okay, what are the things that push my buttons? What are the things that bring me stress? And what kinds of things can I do to bring it down? So one of the things I did nutritionally first, and I will give Mary Lou Henner the credit, I read her book, and um, that was what turned me around. She also grew up in Chicago area and had huh? died early too, so maybe that was part of it. But I started off by just eating fruit all morning. And I used to think, how can people get five servings of fruit in a day? Well, that's how you do it. You eat fruit all morning and you know, no bread, no sausage, no eggs, mm-hmm. and just skip that for a while and just do fruit all morning. And it's just amazing what a change that made just right there. And fruit doesn't stick with you, so, you know, I have my morning smoothie, and an hour or two later I'm hungry again. So you have to have several servings. And, yeah, it can be kind of a pain. You have to bring it with you. Mm-hmm. And um, But once you get into a routine and you see how much better you feel, it's so much better. So then I increased my vegetable intake and um you know cut down on meat, pasta, dairy and um I do like sugar, so I had to find other ways to get my sweet fix. <laughs> there are some um what we call raw diet and raw dessert, mm-hmm. raw yeah. sweets that have been really helpful for that too. And I also drink a lot of water. So that helped me a lot. Um, And so other folks, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. I don't have children, so I don't have kids, you know, begging me for chips in the house and other foods that I don't keep around that most teenagers want. I only have my inner child. You have your inner child? My inner child. (laughs) What likes to be fed some of these bad things. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't have that kind of temptation around. But sometimes I'll be at a client's office and they're like, oh, cake. (laughs) That would be my downfall. I had a friend years ago, he said, I don't have a sweet tooth, I have a fat tooth. Because he didn't like sweets, he liked anything with fat in it. Okay. Pork sandwiches and things like that. Mm. Downfall, you know what I mean? So, um, and then, of course, getting enough sleep is really important. That's where I often fall over because I often get, you know, six to six and a half a night, and that's not enough. Um, but sleep is, of course, important. And I wasn't a big vitamin taker. However, I am taking vitamin D3 now. There's so much more they're finding out about about vitamin D3, 
and how important it is. And I got involved mm-hmm. in a vitamin D study through, um, I think it's grassrootshealth.net. And because I didn't really want to take a lot of vitamin D if I didn't know what my levels were. So this way my levels get checked twice a year and for about five years, and then I feel a little better about taking I take a lot. I take 5,000 international units of D a day. You know, it's interesting you bring this up. I was actually at a, an all-day event for Memorial Sloan Kettering on Saturday, and one of the very prominent, it was all these very top-of-the-line doctors talking about various things, um, mainly involving uh, the thyroid. And there was uh, a woman talking about the studies I've done on vitamin D. And then it said, is it, you know, they've, they've even, they've changed all the amounts that they're now recommending. And they, they even suggest, is there even such a thing as too much? Mm-hmm. And she's like, take a lot. She was really, really taught, really stressed that. And I, and just Saturday, I went out and bought a big bottle of it. There you go. So yeah. how do you like that? There you go. Holding Great. it in my hand right now. <laughs> yeah, so that they're finding that we, of course, we're deficient because we live in North America, mm-hmm. and um, people who have the darker your skin is, the harder it is for your skin to absorb it. Like your skin can really take the sun, so you right. don't absorb it as well as somebody with lighter color skin from the sun. So you have to even take more. So even more important for people with darker skin to um, have it checked and to bulk up on it. And then I also take a fish oil. And then there's one other tablet I take um, from a group that's out in um, Colorado, and that is a thyroid thing for women. So women have funny things going on where they're low on thyroid and they don't know it. Right. leads to all kinds of little disease kind of things. Yeah, there's a a lot of... uh... A lot of that going around, and a lot of people don't know about it. A, a, a website that I recommend to people uh, is StopTheThyroidMadness.com. Hmm, look at that. It's a very interesting site. Um, so there's like there's quite a lot of information that the doctors won't won't tell you, and they will even tell you is wrong, hmm. and they'll. Say no. There's no, your levels are fine. There's no, re, you know, I'm sorry. So sorry that you're feeling cold and you're gaining weight, mm-hmm. but your levels are fine. And then you, this is some of the truth about that. You can find that on that website. Yeah, I think I've read about that. That the levels that were the old levels aren't necessarily even good levels. So, um, and then the other upside is I did have my cholesterol checked just a month ago, and the last time was ten years ago, and all my numbers got better. So. There's something to what I'm doing. Because at my age, they shouldn't be getting better. They should be getting worse, mm. just naturally. So um, anyway, the other thing, um, just last that you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about was finances. It's so many people um, in small business, especially solopreneurs, really don't understand their finances. Now, QuickBooks or Peachtree or some other little accounting program like that helps a lot. I think it helps a lot. But you know, I'm an accountant. That's my background. So I know how to read a P&L statement. I know how to read a balance sheet. I know what I'm looking for. And, um, you know, you got to be on top of these things. And if you can find an accountant who will work with you and, um, you know, look at your stuff either monthly or quarterly and who will include doing your taxes for you. I do my own, but, you know, 
uh, that's my background. So I, sure. You know, but for somebody else, I recommend you find somebody who will, for most people who are in service business, if they look at your stuff quarterly, that should be fine, but their fee should include doing your taxes annually. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody who will work with you and, and walk through some of it, because depending on how you're set up in your state, are you a corporate, are you an S-corp, are you an LLC, um, how you're set up determines how you pay yourself and how your taxes are paid. Then there's, you know, the, the solopreneurs that I want to do the hand slap. You got to pay your payroll taxes. You got to pay all your taxes on time because it's one that you don't want to be late on ever. You know, when you're paid, some of that is not yours. So um, that's that's just not right. That's just not right. <laughs> So it's either payroll, you know, tax, right. or if you're S-Corp, you know, whatever's on your bottom line goes over to your personal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I work it out so there isn't a whole lot left at the end of the year. Or this year, or I should say at the end of last year, I knew how much money was going to be in my net profit, but I had some bills that were going to be due regarding the second book. In the early part of 2010, I'm like, I'll just pay you now. So... That worked out because otherwise, I, you know, if I had just paid myself, I would have had the money. That oh, sure. Yeah. So look for bills that you can pay with that money, um, but work with your accountant to say what can I do about this, you know, or maybe you could prepay some of your mm-hmm. health insurance, you know, if you have the extra money at the end of the year, you can pay that in um, for the next quarter. And 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 anyone listening, uh, this book really has a, a wealth of information in the area of finances that really is very, very, very helpful. So believe it or not, we're down to our last couple of minutes here. All right. Would you believe it? Yeah. Time has time has flown. So um, uh, now I know that you have a you do have a special offer on your website for a free chapter. Right. I also noticed you do have a special offer in the back of the book. Can I mention it, or would you rather it be a surprise? No, go ahead. Okay. Well, if you buy the book, there is a, in the back of the book you can find a little mention of getting a free coaching session from Glory. That's true. Yes. So uh, that is even more reason why you should buy this book. Right. So on my website, um, which is um, either gloryborgeson.com or borgesonconsulting.com or the easy coachglory.com takes you there. Uh, there's a link under the little video on the home page where people can click and then they can get a free chapter and take a look at it and see, mm, what is this about? And also, I always like to look up books on Amazon because I can do that little look inside and click it and see what the back of the book says, mm-hmm. that cover, and uh, because... You know, if I'm not in a Borders or in a Barnes and Noble, I can't pick it up. So I love right. that they have that look inside, where they put the back cover on there too, because a lot is often you know, put there. And I'd like to look at the table of contents in a book too, and I like that Amazon has that. And then there's some, you know, comments from some people who've already read the book on there too. And we have the uh, the book. Uh, there's a picture of the book right on the show page. If you click on that, it takes you right to that Amazon page for your book. Yep. And you. people, you're welcome. And people can also follow you on Twitter.com slash Glory Borgeson. And I will be back in two weeks as I'm on vacation in California. So 
Thank you so very, very much, Corey, for being here and giving some great information. We'll be back on July 28th when my guest will be Jeffrey Hull, the author of Shift. So everyone have an outstanding next 14 days, and we'll see you then. Good night. Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome.